Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston. I'm partnered by my host, Rahul, and today we have a very special guest from Louisiana, Roy Welsh, aka the top boy from New Orleans. Welcome, Roy. It's a pleasure to have you on here today. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate it. So we'll do a little Q&A to kind of get who Roy is. Uh, Rahul, maybe you can help us through that and get a little more about who he is, what he's doing, and kind of the chapter in New Orleans. Definitely. So welcome, Roy, once again. And it's uh, a great pleasure of ours to have you on. So um, for our listeners and, and viewers on YouTube, uh, if you don't know or haven't seen it yet, uh, Carefree Louisiana, the chapter down uh, south, at least for us, uh, me, myself here in, 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 ups, in, in the Northeast, uh, is hosting a big, big, big event called the Blues Day. Uh, so Roy is kind of here to tell us more about it. But Roy, before we get into that, you want to tell us about uh, Carefree Louisiana, how the chapter started, uh, and some of the other clubs that are kind of under the uh, the umbrella of, of this chapter. Absolutely. And uh, before I get into it, Jackie, Rahul, I really appreciate you guys having me on. The pleasure is mine. Um so I'll get right into it. Uh, Carefree Louisiana, we officially started about a year ago, but this club has got its origins back until at least 2013. Some locals would tell you it goes back longer, uh, but we, we sort of officially kicked it off a year ago. Um, we were in contact with Chelsea in America trying to figure out how to, to get ourselves towards official status. Uh, I was a member of the New York Blues before uh, and I'm still super close with a bunch of those guys. So when I moved to New Orleans, I was shocked that there were fans in town. There were a lot of good supporters, but there was no official club. And my good buddy, Dylan Polk, uh, Ben Landry, Kyle Wainwright, uh, a bunch of local guys. But, but we sort of decided, all right, let's make this thing official. And there had been clubs in Baton Rouge. There had been sort of the genesis or the beginnings of a club in New Orleans. So we decided let's merge them. Let's make it a coalition. So we have Carefree Louisiana actually has three individual chapters. We've got the Port City Blues out of Shreveport. So that's in the northern part of the state. They're just starting to, starting to kind of get some momentum. They're looking for a pub, but they're in the works. And then we've got the Zydeco Blues in Baton Rouge. And then we've got the Crescent City Blues out of New Orleans. And uh, Dylan, Dylan uh, pumps me out, I guess, uh, <laughs> calling me the top boy of New Orleans. But I'm not going to run away from that title. Um, I've been happy to uh, kind of help get this thing going. But I've had a lot of good guys behind me that have helped push in the right direction. That's great to hear. And, and the one thing I picked up there was there's been a presence or at least an idea of, of having a club since 2013. So, uh, you know, soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, has been growing in this country. And, and it's the likes of your clubs, what New York Blues does. I know there's Boston Blues. Jackie has a couple in Houston himself. Uh, these are the clubs that help grow the sport and, and share the passion with other people that may not know much about the game. The game. So, uh, we're glad you started it and we're glad you're here, um, but you're not stopping there. You're going ahead and scheduling and, and hosting, I want to call it the biggest party, Chelsea party in America, um, arguably maybe even bigger than some of the fan fest that we've seen the Premier League host. So uh, let's get into that. How did that idea come around? Uh, combining Chelsea and Mardi Gras into one event sounds like a great idea, but how did that all come about? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few things. We, I, I feel like I speak for a lot of football supporters that what draws you to a club or what, you know, makes you fall in love. Of course, it's the style of play. There can be a lot of things, but this thing about the English game that's so special is the atmosphere. That's, right. what, that's what makes it, to me, the most amazing spectacle in sports. Uh so we wanted to try to create an atmosphere in New Orleans. We had about 50, 50, 60 people for the FA Cup final last year. We had about 100 for the Champions League final. And we realized, you know what? We can throw more parties than this. Let's, 
and we can throw bigger parties with, than this. If this is what we can get for a Champions League final, let's let's bring people from around the country. New Orleans yeah. is a is a great tourist town. It's a great town to come down and let loose and forget about your stresses and your cares for a couple of three days. So we knew, particularly with Mardi Gras having been canceled last year, that a lot of people here are as amped up for carnival season as they've ever been. We knew that we could probably get people to come in from out of state. And, and we knew at risk of sounding cocky that we've got a really special atmosphere. We sing nonstop. We've got some colorful characters, uh, colorful to say the least. We've got some <laughs> colorful characters. And, and we know what the Chelsea community is, that the Chelsea community has panache and flair and style, flamboyance, whatever superlative you right, want to right. throw at it. So, so not only do we want to show ourselves off, but we want to have a little bit of that friendly banter between other groups, you know? Let's see, let's see who can sing the loudest. Let's yeah. see who's the most original. Let's <laughs> grow the community. Let's inspire each other. So that was kind of, it wasn't one thing that made us right. want to create it. It was, it was the love for what we're doing. And we realized, you know what, let's, uh, let's try to share it with as many people as possible. And then Crew de Vue, which it, I'll, I'll be glad to talk about in a minute, but it's one of the most unique parades of the Mardi Gras season. And then when we realized that it landed on the same day as either the Club World Cup final or at the very least the third place match, we knew we were going to be playing a football match yeah. at some point that day in Abu Dhabi. So, so let's get it on. So they kind of just kicked off from there. Yeah, it's, it sounds very inspiring and, and kind of along the lines why Jackie and I started this podcast, which was for the love of the game and love of Chelsea. Um, so I can see that th those are the roots for, for this event. And it sounds a great, like a great event and a great idea. Uh, well, Jackie and I looked into flights to fly over and join you guys. Uh, so hopefully maybe the, the prices change and drop a little bit, we could be there. But I spoke to Dylan, one of the names you mentioned um, and this seems like it's going to be something that is going to be happening annually. So maybe we can definitely make it next year. Um, so it's a three-day event, like you mentioned, starts Friday, uh, goes into Saturday with, with the, one of the games being on Saturday and then uh, kind of wraps up on Sunday. So why don't you share with us what's going to happen Friday night? Uh, the first night, is, it's definitely going to get a little uh, crazy, but uh, hopefully you guys will save yourself for the next day. Well, you know, one of the, the things you learn if you're either from Louisiana or you move here, you learn it very quickly is carnival season, there's not a lot of resting. It's kind of <laughs> that, you know, I never sleep because sleep is the cousin of death. There's a little <laughs> bit of that. There's a little bit of that, uh, you know, yeah. thing going on. But but to get into Friday, there's breweries all over this town. Right. Uh, New Orleans is is famous for its carousing and its, you know, sort of wide open atmosphere. Yeah. And the, the breweries go along with that. So there's a brewery that has agreed to partner with us for the event. Uh, we could not be more excited. Urban South, they make a lot of great beer. Uh, I was just down there about a month ago picking up a couple of six packs. Um, and they are going to give us an area where we can meet and greet. Uh, we're expecting to have at least 30 people, but I could see having upwards of 50 or 60 people there that night. Uh, more if everyone else that's signed up right. decides to come out. Um, and one of the things that we're really excited about is they have agreed to switch the colors of the can of one of their more iconic beers. And they are going to be selling a limited release of Paradise Park Lager, which is one of their beers, but they've switched the colors up to proper Chelsea colors. They put a couple of Chelsea themed messages on there and we're going to keep that under wraps. People have to come to Urban South or hope that <laughs> one of their buddies snags them a 16 ounce can to bring home to find out. But so we're going to meet on Urban on at the Urban South Brewery, pardon me, Urban South Brewery on Friday evening at six o'clock to nine o'clock. And then assuming that people want to do a New Orleans style. I'm sure that there will be a group of us continuing the party into the Marigny or the French Quarter or a combination of both and uh, seeing how weird we can get. And then 
get a get a few winks for uh, Saturday morning. Yeah, that, that sounds like a fun night. And and Jackie and I were actually in New Orleans last spring, uh, and kind of wishing we had met up with you guys and, and partied all night, or at least stayed up till till the later hours. Um, and just the the idea, the colors of the can that you shared. Uh, I wish I was coming down just simply just for that. So um, maybe you you can snag me one, Roy. Yeah, maybe I'll have to see. Yeah, you guys are helping us out. Maybe I'll have to squirrel away, squirrel <laughs> away some for y'all. I'll keep them in my fridge. And when you guys make your maiden voyage down here to get rowdy with Carefree Louisiana, I'll make sure you got some, some hops with your name on it. Yeah, definitely. So that's Friday. Now let's, yep. you've slept a little bit, woken up, and I know it's an early start on, on Saturday. So uh, let's get into Saturday. So Saturday is actually going to be a little bit atypical just for us New Orleans boys. Right. Uh, there is a nationwide Arsenal event happening at our home pub that day. And due to sort of a collective meeting of the minds, it was realized that even if groups have the best intentions, if you've got 200 Arsenal supporters next to a couple you know, 150, 100 Chelsea supporters, whatever it could be. That, that's a different animal. That's a different animal to deal yeah. with. So we are going to be watching this match instead of our normal location, which is at Finn McCool's, which is a pub, great Irish pub. The owner, Sean, is a big ally of the soccer community, football community, football supporters community in New Orleans. We normally watch it Finn McCool's. But on this event, we're going to be at the American Sports Saloon, which is on the very edge of the French Quarter on Decatur Street. Uh, we've watched a match there already to kind of give it a test run. Right. The, hosts there, the hosts there have been great. They've been super excited about hosting the event and super into our group and what we're about. So right now we're planning on meeting and we're going to hammer out the exact fine details of the schedule and people will be able to see them as they unroll on our website. Right. But as of now, we're planning on meeting at the bottom of Louis Armstrong Park on Rampart Street at about nine o'clock in the morning. This is, we're getting a little cocky here and we're saying we're gonna make the final. Obviously we'll scale everything back a couple hours earlier if we make the third place. Third place yeah. But assuming the final kicks off at 10.30, we're gonna meet around an hour and a half before the match uh, up at Armstrong Park. And we're gonna, uh, we're gonna replicate the, uh, the pub walk they do in England. And we're gonna yeah. drink some beers in the park and we're gonna, walk down Esplanade and we're going to make sure that anyone that's not already awake that morning in New Orleans <laughs> is awake by the time we get to the pub and get our singing voices revved up and uh, raise a little cane in front of the pub at around 10 o'clock and walk, walk in and try to drink all their beer up. <laughs> and I don't doubt that you will. And, and I hope that we make the final because uh, apart from Chelsea making history by maybe winning this competition for the first time, you guys are making history by by having this event. So uh, definitely hope that we can lift that trophy and, and celebrate and you guys can celebrate. Uh, so that's on, the, on Saturday. And then Sunday, I'm guessing, is pretty much people fly back home or head back home. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that I should, should sort of prepare people who are coming in. And obviously, everybody is going to do their own thing, as we expect. But what we hope is, is that we keep that party going all day long. Of course. Because the, the, the parades that step that night are in the same area of town we're already going to be in. There's bars everywhere. There's live music venues everywhere. There's good food. There's good drinks. It's a really good place to... I enjoy it even as a local. But if yeah. you've never been here, that whole Frenchman Street area of the quarter is something that you should experience. So we're really, particularly the local boys, are going to be congregating and partying in the quarter all day long. And then we're planning on meeting at the corner of Royal Street and Elysian Fields, which is on the parade route around five o'clock, the parade steps at six. And we're going to get everybody who came in town together and we're going to watch the parade. There's two of them back to back. There's about four hours of parades. So I know I keep coming back to it, but it's what New Orleans kind of does best, particularly during carnival season. Saturday is going to be an all-day affair. Uh, and the beautiful thing about Sunday, to, to get back to your original question, is we kind of kept it open-ended on purpose. 
Because what yeah. we realize is there's going to be a lot of new friendships that are made. Yeah. Um, and we're going to make sure that we have a, a really good uh, recommendation list for people who want brunch spots, depending on the neighborhood or, you know, the World War II Museum is an amazing museum that a lot of people may want to go to on Sunday. Sunday there's, yeah. all, there's all kinds of great venues that they could explore. But we kind of kept Sunday open because a little bit because this event kind of gels a little bit later than we would have liked. But then we also realized, you know what, as much as we could plan another brewery tour, let's give people the kind of, the, let's have some unstructured times. Yeah. <laughs> the people you were partying with the day before, if you just want to go get a couple beignets on, you know, down in the market and drink some coffee, you yeah. do that. Yeah. So Sunday's going to be free form. Yeah, absolutely. So, no, it sounds like a fun-packed uh, weekend. Uh, before I hand it back to Jackie, I just, I just want to touch on two points. So uh, there is a, a hotel that you guys have set up. So if you just want to touch on that real quick uh, for anyone that's listening that may be interested. Absolutely. So uh, Ben Landry, who is one of our co-founders from the coalition level, him and Dylan are really the ones that gave me the opportunity to do this. Ben hooked a deal up at the Monteleone Hotel. And uh, people that are interested can check out more of the details on www.carefreelouisiana.com. I don't want to misquote the blocks. It's a very upscale hotel. So it's a little bit on the price you're in. But then when you also consider what the Monteleone normally costs, it's significantly less than what the Monteleone normally costs. Right. So that's for people if they're, you know, if a bachelor party was coming into town and they wanted to fancy it up, yeah. Monteleon would be a good way to do it. If, you know, there's a, there's a couple out there that are both Chelsea supporters that want to make it a romantic getaway. In, in addition, I would absolutely recommend the Monteleon. And also for people that are looking for Airbnbs, uh, they're welcome to reach out to me. Uh, I'll make sure that I, send you guys my email address on social yeah. they can hit us up on social they can reach out to me directly so there's all kinds of housing options uh if people have questions awesome uh and so the final point i had was and i, I saw it and I, I think dylan had mentioned it too is that chelsea are actually officially supporting or at least backing this event and have sent over some flags so uh just wanted you to touch on that and, and then i'll hand it over to jackie yeah i mean I I have not handled that as much. I've been getting these updates from Dylan and Ben. And, you know, for all the talk that you hear about clubs getting out of touch with the fan race, this is one gesture, but it's a heck of a gesture uh, in my eyes. I could not be more proud to be a supporter of this club. Uh, and I've always felt that way. Uh, ever since about 1998, 1999, I felt that way. But they really have given us our blessing. They are looking to help us promote it as much as possible. They sent us, they definitely sent us the flags that you're referencing. I get the feeling that they may have sent us something else that Dylan's keeping under wraps. I'm not sure about that. Uh, if I knew, believe me, I, I like to spoil stuff. So I'm, <laughs> I would tell you if I knew. Um, but yeah, they've, Ben and Dylan, both our co-founders have, had a couple of uh, conferences with Chelsea boys all the way over across the pond who have been yeah. super helpful and offered their time and resources. So we couldn't, we could not be prouder and happier and more gratified to have the club support. Yeah, definitely. And and just to add to that, I, I some of the guys that, um, that are over at Chelsea, we, they held an event here in New York um, back in December. And, and so yeah. I think you, you mentioning that the club wanting to stay in touch with fans and listen to them uh, just want to bring that point up is the club is doing everything they can to, to get our feedback and, and implement that. So 100%. Yeah. So thank you to Chelsea and the guys in the, in over there. Um, and a shout out, like you said, to Ben and Dylan for, for all their hard work, including yours. Uh, so that's, in a nutshell, the event. Uh, if anybody needs any more information, please reach out to Carefree, Carefree Louisiana on Instagram. Uh, I know Dylan and Ben pretty uh, regular 
and respond pretty often on there and then on their website as well, carefreelouisiana.com. So uh, thank you very much, Roy, uh, for sharing us, course, sharing those details. You. And now as it's, as it's tradition, we usually have uh, a quiz with our guests. So I'll hand it over to Jackie. He's prepared the quiz. I haven't seen the questions, full disclosure here. Um, so Jackie, why don't you take it over? Yeah, just before I start, I just want to say it was great listening to your story. I think it's amazing to see the reach that Chelsea as a football club has. Just hearing, you know, some of the cities in Louisiana that have fans in them is just amazing to see. And what football can do and what you guys are doing at Carefree Louisiana to bring people together and just share the passion for football is amazing. That's exactly what Rahul and I have done. And, you know, having you on here and now hopefully playing this quiz, it's not too difficult. It's just something a little fun to get us off the ground here. So Rahul, I'll start with you actually, uh, just to get kind of into the motion. Super simple question. If you don't know this one, we've got to get off the podcast. <laughs> uh, which international side does our midfield maestro, Mateo Kovacic, represent? Which international side? I can give you the, the uh, options, but I think you should know the answer, but I'll go ahead anyway. Is it A, France, B, Spain, C, the United States, or D, Croatia? Hmm, let me think. I, I think it's Croatia. <laughs> there you go. Well done. <laughs> so, Roy, in the interest of keeping it kind of fair, I'm going to kind of ask you a similar question. Which international side does our goalkeeper, who is now one of the world's best goalkeepers as well, Edouard Mendy, represent? Is it A, Ivory Coast, B, France, C, Senegal, or D, Sweden? Senegal. And I saw you were ready to jump yeah, right out. Yeah, ready. Game, so I, yeah. I should let you yeah. go. I, I, wanted, I wanted to be impressive early on before I get dusted <laughs> in the later rounds. So for those who are listening, I saw it in my own eyes. He was ready to give the answer before the options. But Rahul, I'll jump back to you. Who was Chelsea's top scorer in the 2021 season? So that's last year. Who was Chelsea's top scorer in the 2021 season? So your options are A, Jorginho, B, Mason Mount, C, Giroud or D Alonso? You know, there was a lot of coverage around this, and, and I think that's part of the reason why we brought Lukaku in, but it was Jorginho. That is correct. Good job over there. And and if I'm not wrong, I think he's again pretty high up there <laughs> this season. So he actually scored seven goals last season, which is you know a good return for him. It's not too bad. But I'll ask Roy so far this season, who is our top scorer? I'll pause. Maybe if you know the answer, if I give the options. I think I do, but I want to hear the options. <laughs> sure. It's A, Mason Mount, B, Lukaku, C, Jorginho, or D, Timo Werner. Okay, so I can ask a qualifying question. Are we talking about the, the, the league, or are we talking about the, an all-competition? The season as a whole, all competitions. Oh, man. It was... The op- give me the options one more time. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've got my guess, but let me hear so one more time. A, Mason Mount, B, Romelu Lukaku, C, Jorginho, or D, Timo Werner. Man, it's got to be Jorginho. That is correct. It's, <laughs> it's one of those that threw everybody for a twist. Mason Mount was sitting with seven, but Jorginho with those penalties in December have taken him to nine goals for the season so far. So, Guys, you're tied 2-2. Rahul, coming back to you. Chelsea faced Crystal Palace in the first game of this season, the 2021-2022 season. What was the final score? The options are A, a 2-2 draw, B, a 3-0 win to Chelsea, C, a nail-nail draw, or D, a 1-0 win to Crystal Palace. Well, this was back in August, so Crystal Palace scoring or beating us wasn't an option. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go for 3-0 to Chelsea. You're correct. It was a rude welcome to London for Patrick Vieira coming back there. So, Roy, which team did Chelsea face in the first match of our 21-22 Champions League group stages? Was it A, Juventus, B, Zenit St. Petersburg, C, Malmo FC, FF, apologies, or D, Villarreal? What was, what was, say D one more time? Villarreal. So this season, right, Jackie? This season, yeah. when we opened up our Champions League group stages. Man. Hey. Malmo, Malmo, Juventus, Villarreal, and then what was the, what was the other option? Then it's St. Petersburg. Try to take you guys to early parts of the season when Man. we were doing well and performing well. <laughs> Man. I think it, you know what, I'm going to say it was Zenit. That is correct. We actually beat them 1-0 and kicked off our defense of the Champions League title. 
Well done. You guys have good memories here. So I'm going to try and take it back again, Rahul. What was the biggest win of the 2021? So last season, what was our biggest win last season? Is it A, 4-0 to Morikambi in the FA Cup, 6-0 to Barnsley in the EFL Cup, 4-0 to Sevilla in the UEFA Champions League, or 3-1 to Brighton in the EFL? Last season, right? Last season, that's right. Barnsley? That is correct. We did beat Barnsley 6-0 last season. It was one of our biggest uh, wins of the season. So I'll stick with last season. Roy, how many Premier League points did Chelsea win during the 2021 season? Is it A, 60, B, 62, C, 67, or D, 74? That, that's a tough one. <laughs> it is a tough one. <laughs> I'm going to say 67. Right on the money again. You guys are Whoa. doing very well. 67, we ended up sneaking into fourth position with that set of points. So it looks like we're doing very well, guys. I've got the last two questions here. This one is in lieu of the game we're coming to play with Tottenham. Rahul, in which year did Chelsea first play Tottenham in a league meeting? So is it A, 1905, B, 1907, C, 1909, or D, 1915? It's a tough this time. is this is going way 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 back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nineteen. You can fill in the rest. <laughs> no. Nineteen oh five, nineteen oh seven, nineteen oh nine, or nineteen fifteen. Nineteen oh nine. That is correct. I hope oh. you knew that. That's <laughs> a very very good guess there. Nineteen oh nine. Tottenham had only just entered the football league. We beat them in that game. Uh, that's going to be a different question. I'll ask the Roy in a second, but. In the second half of that season, uh, we actually lost to Tottenham, which ended up getting us relegated because of that particular result. So, um, Roy, just like I've alluded to, what was the final score in that game? Was it 2-1 to Chelsea, 2-1 to Tottenham, nail-nail for a draw, or 3-1 to Chelsea? And obviously, I know this is way back in the day. 2-1 to Chelsea. There you go. That's brilliant. You guys have done excellent. It's a tie. Unfortunately, I don't have a tiebreaker, but... At least I know I'm sitting in the same room as some really good Chelsea <laughs> knowledge-based people here. <laughs> but thanks for letting me host that, guys. I appreciate it. That was Thank fun. You. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, Roy, that was our uh, traditional quiz that we do with our guests. So thanks for participating and, and um, getting them all right. I, I thought I'd, I'd nick that win at the end, but <laughs> you, you fought back. So um, let's move on here. We'll do a Brighton review, and then we'll talk about Spurs uh, coming up at the weekend. So, um, Jackie, you want to run us through the starting 11 real quick, and then we can just discuss some of the key items from the game. Yeah. So for the Brighton game, I think that we played an interesting formation. Um, it, it's hit or miss with Tuchel these days, but it was a four, two, two, two. If you want to believe what stats are saying, I mean, he does kind of make it very fluid, but a back four of Aspiriqueta, Thiago Silva, Rudiger, and Marcos Alonso, of course, Kepa Arizabaga in goal. Uh, two in the midfield of Jorginho and Kante, a little bit higher up with Mason Mount and Hakim Ziyech playing behind Callum Hudson-Odoi and Lukaku. Yeah, so a strong lineup. Um, personally, would have preferred to have seen um, a few more changes up top. And, and Roy, I'll ask you this question here. Were you surprised to see Ziyech and, and Lukaku starting, especially after that City game? Not incredibly. Uh, only because we don't have a ton of winging options right now. And Tuchel's kind of got to go with what he's, what's available to right. him to an extent. And I also think he seems to be a manager who at times likes to see his guys work through some tough spots and sort of put their feet to the fire a little bit. Uh, you know, I have mixed feelings on both of these players. Uh, they both have caused me a lot of frustration at times. Um, but when you spend a hundred million quid on a striker, you need him to score goals, particularly when we haven't been getting goals from forwards in recent memory. Yeah. So I guess to, 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 to put a point on it, I wasn't happy necessarily to see those two in the lineup but I wasn't surprised to see them in the lineup and I wasn't angry to see them in the lineup because at some point you gotta 
you got to use the ammunition you got. Yeah, that, Roy, that, we've yeah. discussed this many times on this podcast, but I'd like to get your take on it. Uh, Chelsea and strikers, strikers, we don't always seem to have the best luck, especially when you look at our number nines in recent history, you know, going back to maybe Fernando Torres and even before that, maybe Matai Kejman and a couple of other players in between. Of course, Alvaro Morata and now Lukaku. Do Chelsea just seem to struggle with strikers up front and finding maybe the right big number nine to play for Chelsea? You know, I want to be decisive and give you an answer on that. I can't figure out what the problem is. Right. Uh, because when you when you have had as many guys to try to fill that void as we've had, you'd think that it hit with someone, right? Uh, but also, how much are you going to blame the players around the number nine because we got guys that won a European Cup last season? So I'm certainly not suggesting that Lukaku can't score goals because there's no confidence around him. But I also think that when you've got nothing on the wing play or not nothing, but when you've got little on the wing play and we haven't gotten great wing play lately, but we kind of also still seem to push everything from the outside, even though we're not having great wing play, we're still trying to work things on the wings. How much can you really know what's causing it is, and I'll also cop to the fact that, I'll probably see to both of you guys' knowledge on formations and tactical understanding of the game. I, I think I know what I'm watching. I've been watching Chelsea for a long time. I watch the sport as much as I can, but but I think I would be remiss to 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 nail down the problem. Other than I know it's been here for so long. Yeah. It's it's hard to blame it on any one guy. Yeah. You know, fair enough. I think that's kind of the analysis Raul and I have taken over the years. We're just waiting for that match made in heaven. And sometimes we wonder if it's the curse of the number nine. You look at Diego Costa coming in and taking the number 19 and having an incredible couple of years. But Raul, I think we can move on off of that. Maybe we talk a little bit about Hakim Ziyech, who was the you know opposite player in this particular game. Any thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of share in the sentiment that Roy shared. I I was kind of surprised, but I was also... Uh, more unhappy just for the fact that he was pretty awful in that city game and to see him come right. back in uh was kind of disheartening because i kind of wanted to see pulisic uh not only from the fact that we you know we're watching here in the u.s but uh pulisic offers a little bit more direct wing play than than ziek does uh but ziek steps up and scores and i think that's where we'll we'll take our the discussion here is that goal comes out of nothing really uh, and sometimes that's what we need, uh, just a shot from from outside where the goalie isn't expecting it. Um, so the question, I'll kind of open it up to you, Jackie and, and Roy, is should he be shooting more often? And then that so the second part of that question was the, the celebration, kind of not really celebrating, but just standing there, letting all the players jump on him and, and kind of just staring at the camera, maybe more out of frustration, sending a message. Uh, Jackie, I'll, I'll start with you and then we can turn it over to Roy. Yeah, look, the simple answer is it's not just Hakim Ziyech, right? A lot of our players should be shooting more often. I think uh, newer tactics, I think we've talked about it quite a bit, is we try to walk the ball into the net, for lack of a better word. And sometimes it works and it looks beautiful and I love it. I'm out there screening, but other times I'm like, take the shot. We just need, like Kovacic did against Liverpool and, of course, Hakim Ziyech in this case. So you've got to take your chances. I think the old saying was, if you don't buy a lottery ticket, how are you going to win? And so they have to take shots, a lot of these players, not just down to Hakim Ziyech. But sending a message with his celebration or lack there of celebration, I don't know if he's sending a message as more as he has had a start-stop time to his career at Chelsea between injuries, between you know traveling in and out, between form. And so I bet as a, a top professional, you're frustrated. And so when you finally get the chance and you, you score a goal, you're just saying, I can do this more often. And Yes, you can say it's sending a message, but he can also be looking at himself saying, I should be doing this more often. Yeah, and I see Roy was was nodding his head. So, Roy, I'll turn it over to you. Just kind of similar questions and your thoughts on them. Yeah, I don't know if it's something as specific as sending a message. Um, the, the boys at the pub will tell you that I read way too much into body language, and I'm sure that's true. But I I've never... Ever 
I don't dislike ZX. And there's there have been players that I have disliked. Not many, but Chelsea's had some players over the years that I've not liked. Uh, but I don't I don't dislike Hakim Ziyech. I really don't. I, I I but I've never felt like he's been happy. I don't mean that there haven't been happy moments. He scores that goal at the Etihad last year, which is one of the goals of the season, and I believe gives us the confidence to beat them in Porto. And also more, maybe more importantly, it puts the doubt in their head going into Porto that we just can't kill these guys off. So he's given, he's given me some, some very happy moments, but I've never been less surprised to see a Chelsea player unhappy after a goal. Um, So more than sending a message, I just wonder if it's indicative of how he feels uh did he feel more did he feel more comfortable you know did he feel more comfortable when he was playing in Holland I I don't know yeah but but I and I do think he should shoot more but to echo what you and Jackie have both said I may criticize him for body language but that's subjective that's my opinion I've never met the bloke he could be fantastic he could love Chelsea with all his heart for all I know uh but what I do know is should he shoot more? Absolutely. But you can say that of about maybe five or six dudes on that side yeah. that they should shoot more. Um, yep. You know, that that's a great point. And I'm, I'm going to you know, latch on to some words Roy said, but I'm going to put a big disclaimer on these words. I'm not saying this is Hakim Ziyech, but just kind of along the lines, some players physically are not able to adjust to the Premier League, no matter what they try. The Premier League has a lot of pace, a lot of physicality. And coming from Ajax, he had a lot of room and not necessarily footballers that were on him within a second every single time that allowed us to see the magic that is Hakim Ziyech. And so I'm not saying he's not going to fit in the Premier League. I don't want to throw throw the white towel in just yet. But if you're going to want to play week in, week out, especially at Chelsea with the competition we have, you're going to want to see him change his game a little bit. And that may mean we lose a little bit of flair but if it's taking more shots and getting more goals just by direct play we're all here for that i'm absolutely here for that so yeah. i mean that's great i don't want to keep hanging on to Hakim Ziyech. We've he's got his haters he's got his lovers i think here we've had a good discussion on him we start the game you know one nail in that first half and even after that goal guys it didn't seem like we were really getting into it and of course we could talk a little more about Tuchel at the end but he did come out and say we we're tired is Brighton having a better game overall in that match or were we actually tired or were we just poor uh, performance-wise? Rahul, I'll start with you. Uh, you know, we, we didn't start that game too well. Brighton started like you would expect a home team that I guess has been off for a little bit, uh, rested. They started very well. They kind of started where they had left off at Stamford Bridge uh, and the crowd was behind them. We get the goal really out of nothing and, and that puts a little bit uh, of a stop to Brighton, but not really because then they just come back a little bit more aggressively and want to get back into the game. Uh, and we never controlled that game, even after getting that goal. We were always kind of struggling, making things, trying to make things happen. Lukaku and Ziyech not connecting, and, and we can get to that argument or or the supposed argument that they had at halftime. Uh, but for overall, how well we've controlled games this season, this was one game where we just never seemed to grasp it. Um, and Brighton, to their credit, were very good. And, and sometimes you just have to say they were better than us and, and came out with a much better plan than we did. Yeah, Roy, your thoughts? I think it was a combination of all three. I, I do think we're tired. I also don't think we're very good and we're very beat up, saying things that are contributing to us being tired. And, you know, it's easy to be arrogant when you're the champions of Europe uh but you gotta you gotta tip your hat to Brighton to an extent that's a tough side man they've taken a lot of points off the top six top seven teams all year they've been doing it to a lot of people um now do you feel like you should get three points at home when you're Chelsea and you're playing at the fortress that is Stanford Bridge yes you feel like you should get three points I'm not gonna I'm not gonna walk back how you know angsty and upset and annoyed and angry and unpleasant I felt Tuesday afternoon I, I I didn't like it but but I do think you got to tip 
tip your hat. I mean, they got some, they got some tough, proud dudes over there and they will get at you for all 90 minutes. So I think it's a little bit of all three. Yeah, no, look, credit to you where credit is due. I think you've summarized it perfectly. Brighton came to play and they wanted to do something to show their supporters that they're here to stay. And I think that's indicative of how many draws they have this season. Because like you've touched on, they've probably drawn with some of the higher teams in the Premier League by just being resilient. So it's, it's good for them. Rahul, like you touched on, if we're tired, we hopefully can ride that wave. Maybe coming to the World Club Cup, as sad as that sounds, getting away from the Premier League might be a good change of pace. And then we can kind of build off from there. But you talked a little bit about this earlier, Rahul, the Hakim Ziyech and Lukaku air quotes arguing situation. Since you brought that up, you want to share a little bit of that and then turn it over to Roy to share his thoughts as well? Yeah, so I mean, it was really at the end of the first half, they're kind of walking off the pitch and, and talking and, and Zayek's covered his mouth, Lukaku was responding back to him. And I think it just comes down from uh, the lack of understanding and chemistry between the two. I think Lukaku preferred the ball maybe played more into his feet. Zayek was playing it so that he would run onto it. Um, he was also saying, I'm playing it to your right where I think you can control it better or whatever the case was. Uh, but you can visibly see two players were, that were unhappy and, and that's fine. They're professionals. Do you want them to be a little amped up? You want them to care? Uh, we sometimes say they don't care enough, but in this case, you're seeing that they care. So for me, it wasn't really um, much of a big deal. It, it just showed that there's two guys that want to do the best they can and get the best out of each other. Uh, and sometimes you want to see players figure it out between themselves. They don't always need Tuchel or a manager in, in the dressing room to say, this is exactly what I need you to do. So uh, it, they took it upon themselves, and I don't really have any issues with, with that. Yeah, Roy, your, your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, uh, I very much agree with Raul. And, and I have been hard on both of these guys. Uh, I thought, as we say down... South, I thought the interview that Lukaku gave, the, the way we would call it down south is it was tacky. It was extremely tacky. <laughs> it was poor taste. It shouldn't have done. It shouldn't have been done. And he's earned himself a hiding from those supporters on Sunday if things go bad. He's yeah. he he paid for it, whether he knows it or not. Uh, and I think there have been times where Ziyech has not looked happy. I'm not going to say he's been a malcontent. He certainly hasn't gone and and popped off in an interview with the foreign press the same way. But as much as I get the vibe from Ziyech that he's a bit unhappy, and as much as Lukaku has told us he's unhappy, I'm not going to be too hard on anybody for stuff that happens in the heat of the moment. Uh, it's like Rahul just said, I think it was Rahul, Rahul just said it a minute ago, we can get on guys for not caring enough. And then these guys are beefing in the heat of the moment and in a moment of passion. I guarantee you, Chop Harris used to say some nasty stuff to his teammates coming off the pitch at halftime. So I'm not going to, I'm not making too much out of that. I'm more concerned about the overall pattern with both of those two than I am concerned with a, a despondent look after a goal and a minor beef walking into the changing room you look you guys have summarized it perfectly and the only thing i'll add to that is i too don't have any problems with it but i wonder if this could have come maybe a month ago maybe if these guys were discussing and getting on each other's toes a month ago and said get me the right ball or play me in we would be in a better situation than we are now look sometimes it has to get to a point where we're frustrated before people start really opening up about how they feel so uh, like you guys have both summarized, I think I like to see that as long as it's all in the spirit of sportsmanship and we work off of it. So, you know, we get into the game, Brighton scores, and I think I've asked this question before, so Roy, I'll ask it to you. Tuchel's Chelsea has really built, been built on strong defense, but lately, especially since end of November and going into the Brighton game, we seem to crack under pressure. We seem to leak a goal here or there. We don't really know how to see out a match. And Ultimately, I think that's costing us. Any thoughts on what we can do with this defense and how to kind of get back to that solid team we had last season? Well, I don't know how much we can do past shoring up and making sure that we're ready to give a, a go when guys come back. Um, I think one thing that I'm going to be very – and we're all going to be interested to see is what happens with Tony coming up. 
do do we have him going forward or, or does he walk? Right. Uh, because he is a rock in the center of that fence. Yep. Particularly considering how out of form he was through a lot of Frank's tenure. And to see <laughs> he's just been on an absolute rampage for about the last 10 months. So yes, he's already there. So that may not be doing anything to fix it. But if you lose Rudiger, then you've got one more problem. We've never, we've never been the same since we lost Ben Chilwell. And we've, then it made it worse when, when you lose Reese James. So part of it is just going to be getting dudes healthy. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about, of all of the kids we've got, and all these just brilliant talents that we have out of the academy, Reese James may be our best. And that's a big statement because right. we got money, Mason Mount and Ruben Loftus cheek. And you just keep going on down the, I mean, guys that I just would run through a wall for, but yeah. you gotta, you gotta get those guys healthy. And in terms of what we do going forward, I love Dave's experience. Um, I've heard people talk, and I don't know how much heat there is around this, but the potential about us maybe bringing Emerson back just for depth. I wouldn't be against it. I never loved him, but right now we just need bodies. Yeah. Um, Marcus Alonso, God, I don't want to be too hard on the bloke because he, he, he scores goals, but I don't need my wingbacks to – yes, a wingback, you want him to be able to be creative and, and do things for you. But that, that turn back in there matters. You can't just – He's not a he's not a winger. He's a wing back, right. and he's such a liability when people come right at him in the back. That and maybe he's worn out because he was on great form at the beginning of the year. Let's let's assume the best here. Let's assume that he's way better than I'm giving him credit for, and he's just run down. Yeah. Well, then if he is run down and you need to get him back to that form, then that means you got to bring someone in who can give him some relief and give him some time to rest because he has been such a liability I feel lately. So, so again, getting those guys healthy, I don't mean do, do something that's financial suicide, but try to find a way to keep Rudiger and find someone to either take Marcus Alonso's spot or at least relieve him on minutes. So maybe we can get him back into some, more ideal form yep I mean well said I think you've covered a lot of the stuff that a lot of Chelsea fans have been talking about with wing backs especially with Tuchel's system and hitting on that Reese James point I think that's a debate for another day on the best talent in recent times coming out the academy you touched on Mason Mount Ruben Loftus-Cheek Chaloba can be thrown in there so a lot of talent yes. coming out of there so that's incredible Rahul let's get your closing thoughts on the Brighton game so we can cover a few more games and maybe jump into Spurs in a few minutes here yeah, I mean, look, it's it's disappointing overall. It's a it's a draw at the end of the day, which we still get a point. But at this point, it feels like a loss, especially after the month that we've had uh, coming into this game. Uh, and we thought there was going to be a turnaround, especially with the two Spurs games that we had in the Carabao Cup. But for some reason, the Premier League is still a sticky point. Uh, and you've got to give credit, like we said, to Brighton, to some of these other teams that have now figured out a way to play against us. Of course, we're suffering from injuries, COVID, all of those things come into play, and we are tired. I do agree with Tuchel. I do agree with Roy. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have enough talent. We've got enough players that can can come up and at least score a second goal here uh, because that's if we go 2-0 up, it's a whole different game. Uh, but when you're 1-0 up and keeping people in the game and keeping things open – it's always an opportunity for, for things to, to change. And the only one thing that we haven't touched on, and I just want to bring it up, is early in that second half after we had scored, Rudiger steps up. I know we just spoke about him. Plays an early ball into Lukaku. Lukaku makes the perfect run. I think he was slightly offside, but he gets a shot off. And I think that was one of his only shots in the game. And I think that's one of the things lacking in our play is that early killer ball from midfield, from a deeper position where we can find our attackers. And it's not always, let's send it wide to Espelicueta or Ziyech or Alonso or Cho and make it predictable. 
I think we're too predictable now. And I'm in no position. I've been sitting here in Connecticut. I have no right to criticize Tuple, but I think it's time to maybe speed some things up and unlock the potential of a Timo Werner, Lukaku, Pulisic, because these guys have it in them. They don't suddenly turn into bad players or, or, or out of form players. Yeah. Uh, so my rapid thought here is we've got to change some things up and, and change them really quick because games are still coming and Spurs this weekend is a massive, massive game and a must win for us and one for them that they can easily pull a draw out of and, and still catch up to us and get ahead of us. And, and start ruining the Premier League table even further. But look, let's move on. Let's cover just really quick thoughts from a couple of games that happened in the Premier League. Brentford won Manchester, Manchester United, three apologies there. Uh, Brentford seemed to be the better side, having a lot of opportunities, but Manchester United, David De Gea, a miracle worker for them, and they score three goals. Rahul, your thoughts on this game? Just maybe a sentence or so? I mean, it, this made the week worse. <laughs> um, and United have the potential, and they seem to be getting getting the results. So can't really can't really say much more. Yep, fair enough. And then the other game that happened was Leicester 2, Spurs 3, Roy, just a quick sentence. Is Antonio Conte changing the way Spurs are performing lately? I think he's changing them about as much as they can be changed. Uh, you're you're getting to that point where I feel like I'm selling my soul because you're trying to bait me into saying nice things about Spurs. I'm smarter than that, Jackie. I'm not going to do it. Well done. Um, <laughs> I, but but. To cop out, I, I do think, and I wondered about this early on. You know, they they tried to hire 15 managers, and every single one they tried to hire was worse than was worse than the one they ended up getting. I mean, only somebody as gross as Spurs can accidentally get the best manager they could have gotten on the 15th try. So I don't know if he'll turn them around, but he's got more of a shot. In fact, you know what? He's not going to turn him around. I'm going to be defiant, <laughs> but he makes me. But he makes me more nervous there than most people do because I do admire his acumen as a manager for sure. Yeah, well said. I think that's a nice way to tiptoe around saying anything nice about Spurs. But look, here at the Premiers, we appreciate you tiptoeing around saying anything nice about Spurs. But speaking about Spurs, Rahul, do you want to take us through a preview since we're going to be meeting up with our old boss now? Yes, so a third time in, in the space of pretty much two and a half weeks, three weeks here, uh, two Carabao Cup games that we won and we've looked good in. Uh, so this third one comes around in the Premier League and, and it's a must win, like I said, for Chelsea. We're sitting in third, uh, having played four more games than uh, Spurs. So Spurs do have the opportunity and potential to overtake us when they have eventually played their games. Obviously, we know Spurs do Spursy things and, and mess up an advantage that they have. So we're here counting on that, but we ourselves have the opportunity this weekend to put a dent in that and uh, give Conte his first loss in the Premier League because he's now gone nine games unbeaten, six wins and three draws. Uh, I was going to ask Roy if he was the right man for the job, and he's kind of tiptoed and said yes and no. <laughs> uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to put you back in that spot, Roy. Um, but let's talk about Chelsea. In the same time period since Conte has come in, we've played 13 games won four, drawn seven, and lost two. And I think that's where the concern is here is uh, we can't seem to turn some of these draws into wins, but we're not losing. So I guess it's a, it's a positive and a negative. Uh, the last meeting between these two sides at the bridge was in, the, in November of 2020. It ended nil-nil. Uh, the last league meeting this earlier this season was the 3-0 win for Chelsea at the Spurs Stadium. The last time Spurs won at Chelsea was in April 2018 when Conte was Chelsea manager. And that was the first time Spurs had won at Chelsea in 26 years. So uh, not not a good omen in, in that sense, but we have beaten Spurs the last five games we faced them, and, and they've never lost six games in a row against anybody in their history. Uh, so we could create some history here. So that's kind of the build-up to the game. Uh, I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Jackie, and, and maybe Roy, who can help us predict a starting eleven. Yeah, so typically before every big game, we try and have a little fun and do a starting eleven. Uh, one of the things I've been asking lately, Roy, is should Tuchel change his tactics a little bit, maybe go from a back three to a back four? Your thoughts on that, maybe? 
I mean, when I look at who we've got available, I think Asby, Rudiger, Silva, and Alonso. But I just don't trust Alonso in any way, shape, or form. I think he probably is a little bit better in a back three than he is a back four. I, but, again, I am notoriously hard on Alonso. Uh, I'm – Aware that I'm probably illogically hard on Alonso. Um, with as beat up as we're going, as beat up as we are, I don't want to sound depressing, but as beat up as we are back there, I almost don't know how much it matters. I, but to me, he seemed pretty committed to his way of doing things. Right. And I think he, he, and he's earned that. Obviously he's earned that. He can, not only am I just a chump talking on a podcast, but he's one of the best in the world at what he does. Yep. So he's earned that, right? But he seems to be the guy that, no, this is the way we're going to do things. We're going to struggle through this, but in one year, two years, one month, two months, it's going to click. You're going to be better for it. We don't need to be a Swiss army knife that can do everything kind of well. We're going to figure out what we do and we're going to do what we do extremely well. So I am, rem I'm remiss to pick a lot of formation changes out of Tuchel. Well said. So Rahul, in that spirit, if we're going with a back three, why don't you take us through our defense and midfield and then Roy can pick who he thinks the front three will be. Yeah, I mean, it's Kepa in goal. Uh, Mendy's still out at the AFCON, so uh, Kepa stays in goal. I believe from what I'm hearing and seeing, Chaloba comes back or is at least going to be back in training. So I think if he's fit, I think he'll start, uh, provide a little bit more pace in the in the defense. Silva keeps the spot. I think Rudiger keeps the spot. Uh, Aspilicueta at right wing back. Uh, I think Kovacic and Conte maybe for this game, uh, although Conte has been slightly rusty uh, since he's come back, so I'm not sure. Uh, but it's a massive game, and Conte always performs, so uh, I play him. I mean, I I hear everything a lot. Um, Roy saying, "I'm sorry, I was going to call you Alonso," um, but I hear Please everything. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I sincerely apologize. Um, no, that's fine. I, I hear everything uh, Roy saying about Alonso, and and I kind of feel the same way. So I'm going to throw out a new name here for left wing back. And it's a man or young man we've seen uh, make his debut in the FA Cup in Lewis Hall. And I would, I mean, I, I can see Roy is already celebrating. So uh, I think he, he feels the same way. But if Alonso is not an option and we know Spurs have a little bit of pace on the wings, I would love to see Lewis Hall play that left wing back position. Give him a chance. Let him, let him do what he can do. And maybe we don't even need to call Emerson back. We may have a, a, a potential in the squad that, that can step up and do the job. Uh, so that would be my back three with, with that midfield. Yeah, and look, having Lewis Hall, what better way for him to make his name than having another incredible performance against, you know, Spurs. So, Roy, in that light, who do you think he starts up as the front three? Because it's been a toss-up every single game. You know, I... I'm struggling with who I would have as the third man on the equation, but to me, it's Romelu and Timo. Okay. Uh, are the two. And then, and then, you know, I, I think you can go a lot of ways. I, I can't figure out what's wrong with Callum Hudson to do but I'd almost be fine with him playing up top because he's played up top before. And this season, it feels like he's done everything that you can do on the outside. But I tend to think, Timo, Kai, and Romelu, I think – now, that's not necessarily your typical pairing, but I also think that Timo, as much as he drives people crazy with his difficulties finishing – and I love Timo. I adore him. I think his work rate, I think for yep. somebody at a position that is normally filled up with divas, you compare him to one of his teammates who can't go through a few months – injured without flapping his gums to the media and this is a guy who has been blasted by the twitter goons since 
right away. I mean, these people, these these maniacs would have sold Didier Drogba for a Gatorade cooler if they remembered how hard it was for <laughs> Didier Drogba his first year. Um, but I, but without digressing, I think Timo, there, as a Timo stand. I acknowledge that his finishing is a problem. You can't run from the truth. That is a problem. But I think he was second in assists in the entire squad last year. Pardon me, no. He was second, I think, in the entire Premier League last year and led our squad in assists last year. So even if he's not getting you goals, the fact that he's creative, I think Timo Werner has to be in that lineup. I think it has to be in that starting lineup. I don't think it's good enough to, to sub him in the 80th minute on Sunday. I think he's got to play. Uh, so to me, it's, to me, it's Timo, Romelu and Kai, I, I think, but I don't, I don't know who I would put at that third spot. Yeah, and that'd be a nice combination to finally see maybe Kai and Romelu Lukaku playing off of each other. And of course, with the pace of Timo Werner, He's obviously going to cause some problems for that Spurs back line. But that's a nice starting lineup, especially, Rahul, if you get your wish and Lewis Hall gets in there. I think that would be a really, really oh. pacey set of wingbacks coming through. Aspie can try a little bit harder to get a little bit faster, but that's good on overall. Um, score predictions, guys. Uh, Rahul, what do you think this game's going to end up being? It's, it's going to be tough. I, I personally don't know uh or don't see Conte getting beaten for the third time in the space of three weeks by Chelsea. Uh but we know Spurs and and their uh ability to to mess things up. So I'm gonna go for a two one here uh to Chelsea. Okay. Uh and hopefully it's more and hopefully uh we if we are one one Tuchel makes the subs early enough like Roy was saying and, and makes those changes and we go on and win it. Roy your thoughts on the score line? Well you know I am really incapable of talking about Tottenham Hotspur with anything resembling a peaceful, benevolent mindset. <laughs> um, they just do things to my mentality that I'm not proud to share. <laughs> um, you know, we did, we did what we, when Santo was their manager briefly at the beginning of the year, what we did him three nil at, yeah. at the lane was three nil. Yeah. Yep. Man, I'd like to see us do it again, but I think it's a very tense building on Sunday. It's got to be tense because uh, there's no club in the world that we hate to lose to more than the people that are getting ready to to roll in. You know, beating Tottenham is like, you know, is like beating up on a kid in one-on-one -on -one basketball who's <laughs> six when you're 16. You don't brag about it. You don't, the six but you got to do it. But if the, <laughs> But if but if but if the but if the six year old skunks you you hide under the bed for a week, um, so I'm gonna say two one to the mighty Chelsea. Uh, you know what? No, that's what that's what Raul said. I'm gonna be original. You know what? I'm gonna be brash. Three three nil to the mighty there Chelsea. Go. Let's do them there three you nil. Go. I love it. Three nil at three point lane. This is what we need to see. So that's exactly right. That's awesome. Uh, what I'm going to go for, guys, is a 2 nail win for Chelsea. I don't think Tottenham have it in them to break us down. But look, anything can happen, but I've got to be confident. I'm hoping for at some point the season is going to turn around, and that's 2 nail to me. Rahul, you want to take us home? Yeah, I mean, we, we can't concede the first goal here because I think Roy is spot on. If, if that happens, that building even gets more tense, yep. and, and we get tense at home at the pub, and nobody wants that. So uh, praying to all the footballing gods that have, have kind of taken things away from us in the last month. Let let this one go our way because after this, we have a month-long break from the Premier League. So it'd be nice to sign off with, with three points and solidify or at least try to solidify that spot. Uh, but that wraps it up, guys. Roy, thank you very much for joining us. It was great fun. Uh, thanks for sharing more about the Blues Day event, about Carefree Louisiana, and more about yourself. We We definitely enjoyed chatting with you and would love to have you back. Uh, and we'll throw up your uh, event details on our social media. And for anyone listening, it's carefreelouisiana.com, the website. Check it out. Uh, and Roy, once again, thank you very much. And, and hopefully you'll join us again in, in the future. 100%, guys. And thanks for having me. One, two names that I forgot to mention that I got to mention real quick. My, uh, my vice president, Kevin Steerwald, and my sergeant at arms, Greg Schramm, have helped me make this happen as well. I mentioned a few other guys down here but those guys have been on the grind and and 
are the really a big, huge part of the reason why we've been able to do what we do. And I hope that you and Jackie both come down here uh, because I can't drink all of New Orleans beer by myself. I can try, <laughs> but if I have you two guys with me, if I have you two guys with me, maybe I'll be able to get closer to the bottom of it. So. I love that. Uh, I hope to see, I hope to see you guys next month and uh, I'd love to be back on anytime if you guys would like. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks very much, Roy. Guys, please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the premier Chels on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. And on Twitter, it's at premier Chels. Uh drop Roy and the club a follow. It's at carefree Louisiana on Instagram. And as always, send us your feedback, send us your thoughts, send us your questions, and we will uh, answer them. And we will be back with a new episode, but until then, stay safe and up the chelts.